got that in your studio that's where you do a lot of the shoots yeah we have a lot of the merchandise we hold some of our meetings there we also shoot all, a lot of the content in there and Thank it you. also serves as like an a plus office because if i'm there all the uh, time the homies just pull up you get what i'm saying if we, yeah. have, if we have to pull up if we have to do a video then it's like yeah i'm gonna be here all day anyway so just pull up and grab that's a dope. seat and let's figure this shit out you have a secretary no, we have no secretary. Uh, <laughs> I want to. I should get a secretary. I always envision if I ever had an office, I'd have a cool secretary. Our, our, I think our office is more like a studio space. I guess you yeah. can think about it like that. But it's like, because uh, naturally, me and my fiance were both just like, we just create all day type shit. She's, you know is she in the videography or photography? No, she does more um, fashion things. So she, she started off as a stylist. And then started the brand. She does everything from like creative directing for the brand. She's ne- we're now getting into like cut and sew. So she's like designing the the silhouettes and all that stuff. So it's Damn. just a constant like just designing. Little There's artist a- love union, man. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's it's cool when you find that. Uh, you know, I don't know. A lot of times, I know people, even myself. I've been with girls who aren't artists, you right. know. And sometimes it's cool and it balances well. And sometimes it's weird because you can't right. share that same mindset. Well, yeah, I have I have friends that are. I guess in a not similar situation, but they're they're artists in their own right. But think about like how many times like you think you're gonna be done on time, but then it's never it's never on yeah, time. Yeah, and they don't understand that. I understand that. You know what I'm saying? So I think for me it, it makes sense. Like like right now, like it's Friday at like yeah. one thirty. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna go do this podcast. All right, for sure. Yeah. Because she does. She's now and her she's done like twenty podcasts this year. What she what she do her own podcast? Well, no, like they, they people just ask her to be a part of podcast. What's her name? What, can we shout her out? Uh, her name is Rachel Gomez. Rachel but then Gomez. The brand is called Viva La Bonita. Uh, and I think no, uh, she because of the brand because the growth of the brand, people just want to know who's behind it, and yeah. so she goes and speaks on it. And uh, it's a whole world that like I was never. Uh, I didn't know about this just like women empowerment world that oh, I didn't huge. know about. It's huge. It's, yeah. giga- it's gigantic. It's very and, big. And um, it's funny because like we joke around within ourselves that like I run a women's empowerment brand, <laughs> and you know like I slip up and say words that I shouldn't be saying. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, that female empowering voice is my guest today. Uh, it's my man Fredo Tavar. <laughs> He's an artist is the best word because you just heard him talk about all the million fucking endeavors and things he does. Videographer, artist. Business owner, businessman, fashion dude. That's right. Women empowering gentlemen. Father. Yeah, first and foremost, I'm a father. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I knew that was going to be a number one job. Yeah, got to be. Yeah, that's what's I mean, that, shit, there's times where I get home. The other day, we had a shoot, right? We had a, uh, we were, I was directing a video, and we didn't get off set till like 2 a.m. So I get home 3.30 a.m., and I open the door to the bedroom, and then my son's in there, and he's just like, Awake? let's play. Damn, dude. He just jumps off the bed. Dada, come down. Let's play. And I was like, damn. Like, he's going to be up till 6. Yeah, you just did like a 15-hour video shoot? Yeah, and he had to. And he was just like, let's play. To him, he doesn't care. He's like, dad is here. Let's play. He's like, fuck that, dude. I'm trying to play, man. <laughs> what do y'all, y'all play? Um, Damn, what do we do? We do a lot. He Right now, he thinks he's Spider-Man. <gasps> dude. When I was in kindergarten, I thought I was Spider-Man. Swear to God, I would try to climb and jump on things. Favorite comic book character when I was little. All day, he just, like, I messed not, I, it's not I a mess up. I love now. We, uh, um, it was Christmas time, and we couldn't find anything in my mom's house for him to watch, right? Because my mom was all like, 
only educational things on the TV, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. So I went on YouTube and I figured, all right, let me see if there's any videos of Spider-Man teaching kids how to like do numbers or colors or whatever. The nerd Spider-Man. Right. So I, I, I looked it up, and then there's mil- literally millions of hours of like GTA type Spider-Man content of him teaching kids how to do colors and numbers, and it's like. Now I'll ask him, like, hey, Aiden, what do you want to watch? And he goes, Spider-Man on a bike. Because that's what you search on, on YouTube. When Spider-Man, Spider-Man teaches you how to ride a bike? It's, he's, he either rides a motorcycle, and it's like, <laughs> it's a green motorcycle. And then he rides it for, like, in like a GTA style. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, starts over, and it says yellow, and it's a yellow bike. So he actually learned a lot just from that, like he learned numbers, yeah, colors, okay. all kinds of shit. But, shit. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he's Spider-Man right now. So right now, any, anything... It has to do with Spider-Man, Black Panther. There's this, there's these uh these cartoons called PJ Masks. I swear to God, it's like uh little kids that wear like superhero pajamas, and they solve crime at night. That's cool. Yeah, so he fucks with that. So he's uh he's a handful, but he's cool, man. He's yeah. Uh, Always happy. I like that he's happy all the time. Oh, you happy, dude. You always an upbeat cat, man. Yeah. Shit, I, when I met Fredo, we were doing, you know, music video shoots, and those things can be long, you know, sometimes. And to keep, like, an upbeat attitude for, like, 15, 12 hours in a day, dude, especially when you're, like, reshooting shit, stuff takes a lot, man, so. Hell yeah. Now, yeah. I remember those days, man, when we first met you. Shit, with, 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 back in Boston, that's right. Yeah, back you in Boston, in 2000, yeah. had to be 2007. Seven. Shit. And I, I think I met you. Uh, I met you while I was still in Boston, and then I graduated. Yeah. And then I came back to here. LA. Yeah. And then I went back to shoot that video for you. you oh, touche. Yeah, yeah. You right. You right. You right. You park. Right. Yep. Yep. You right. With, uh, with it was a, it was at a park. Yep. And Top the, of Mission Hill. Uh, Basketball courts. Man, those are some good times, man. Like yeah. I tell people all the time. Like people always ask me for advice on how to get to do. Like the stuff that we do, and then I just tell a man like if I if I had a plan when I first started, I don't think it ever would have worked. Yes. Like, how do you go back and tell yourself, yeah, go go to Boston, shoot videos, and then figure that shit out? Yeah, you, know? you wish you know you try to have a plan, but you just kind of gotta like be like a, a what are those hounds, the bloodhounds? You just gotta go with the scent, you know? Follow yeah, you gotta go shit. like. Um, the only advice I ever got from like somebody that was actually in the industry that actually actually made sense. It didn't make sense at the time, but now it makes sense. He said uh, this guy Jesse Torero, who's like a big music video director. He directed a couple movies too. He said, in order for you to make it in the music video world, you gotta find the next biggest rapper. He's like, if you don't find the next biggest rapper, you're never gonna make it. So you was on the lookout for up and coming dudes. Kinda. Kind of. When he told me that, I thought he was crazy because it was like that's a that's like a, such a vague. Um, like advice You know what I'm saying It's like yeah Go go out there And find the next Biggest rapper Like alright Cool I'll find him But yeah. At first I didn't make It didn't make any sense Until you're like Yeah well that means That you gotta like Really be into music And like you said Be Keep a bloodhound Keep your ear right? in the streets yeah. And when you find talent You should probably Get behind it Because I think That that's You know That's usually when um, Things go well But yeah I mean those times Were crazy man And you went on Direct like a lot of Fucking Big artists, dude. What you did, like Jeezy videos, Wiz Khalifa, like who are some of the artists you did? Uh, we've done videos for a lot of dudes. Like um, we got our our biggest our big start with like the TDE guys. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Kendrick, Schoolboy, Ab, J Rock. Um, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Both being from like the LA area, them and you, and getting in on that shit on ground level. That Definitely, was, like that was uh, one of the. That's kind of like where the that manifestation of. 
that advice that I got that was like find the next biggest rapper. Damn, you and was <laughs> good at that, dude. Your bloodhound <laughs> skills went to fucking work. Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, uh, and that, that 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 came about through uh, the homies at fifteen hundred or nothing. The homie Lawrence, he's a producer, right? He makes beats. Well, he's a producer. He doesn't just make beats. He's a, he's an actual producer, and he um, he actually allowed me and my brother and the homie Scott, who we all run A plus with. Um, he allowed us to go to his studio for like almost like two years straight. Uh, he like opened his doors for us off a of MySpace message. And uh, that's dating it right there. Yeah, MySpace. Off, off a MySpace what message. What up, Tom? Shout out to Tom. <laughs> off a of MySpace message and shit, we uh we went we went to his studio in Inglewood. We would go there every day. And is it a recording studio or like a video studio? No, it's a recording studio. Um so give you a little background, Lawrence did like he produced uh, Show Me What You Got with Jay-Z with, like, Just Blaze. He did, I don't know, man. They have credits, like, yeah, yeah, galore yeah. and shit. You know what I'm saying? So they've done a lot of shit. But um, maybe about a year in, he called me one day. And he was like, hey, bro, uh, J-Rock's coming to the studio to record. You might want to come. They might, they might need some video work. You get what I'm saying? So come by. It might be a good look for you. So we went. And then my brother, me and my brother, and... Kendrick happened to be there. He was still K Dot at the time. Yeah, that's how you know it's all. Yeah, and so uh, there was somebody in the studio that I played one of our music videos for on the phone because I always downloaded all my videos to my BlackBerry at the time, so I could show people. It seems like that was that was the that was the hustle, and um, I played it for this person, and then they were like, "Damn, I don't know you did videos, Fredo." So then Kendrick came over and he was like, "Hey, bro, you do you do videos, bro? I need some help." Like, if I could, <laughs> he was like, "If I could, if I send you some tracks, maybe if you fuck with them, maybe we could work on some. I ain't got no budget. I just need some help." So he sends me the music and then I send it to my brother that night. And he was like, "Yo, this is like one of the best rappers I've ever heard." We used to think Kendrick was an R and B artist because in some of the videos he's singing the hooks. So now that you hear rappers now that sing hooks and yeah. sing a little melody, like he was doing that back then, you know, me being just accustomed to just like rap shit, like you don't really, you know, you kind of like judgmental of that. Yeah. Um, so I always thought that K Dot was kind of like a, um, some type of singer yeah. they're using for hooks or some shit. I'm saying I didn't, I didn't understand the game at the time. Um, so my brother and I's idea was. Yo, if we kill it with Kendrick, they'll let us shoot J-Rock video. So you wanted to film for Kendrick in hopes to shoot J-Rock. Boy, that was the goal because J-Rock was bigger. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. funny. At the time, I remember that he was out kind of first. He had like he was out a couple of good, big singles. Yeah, he, was, he already had songs on the radio and all that. You know what I'm saying? And I was a fan of their music, and I was a fan of just like West Coast music in general. You get what I'm saying? So uh, when we got a chance to do that, that's kind of where the floodgates opened because we just kind of stuck with them. And that as they rose, they gave us opportunities. They looked out. Like, they, they helped us land, like, E-40 videos. That's they helped tough. us uh, Machine Gun Kelly video early on. Uh, and just from there, like, if your work, the work was good, so people liked it, and then we started learning about how to, like, handle, like, emails with, like, record labels and what a video commissioner is and... And how to and so they taught you some game. Well, it, 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 they allowed us to have exposure to it, which was which was they never like those guys are. I like them because they never hold your hand through nothing. You get what I'm saying? So if you go if you're gonna do it, then you go do it. You get what I'm saying? Like if you're and if you're part of the family, you're part of their 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 their, their crew. Uh, and if you're solid, then like yeah, man, like if some if you meet somebody at the show, like 
go run that because yeah. you still got to do the work. Yeah. They still have to like your work. You get them, they're not going to just do it because you did a video for Kendrick or you did a video for that guy. Now, that happens every now and then, but for the most part, you still have to be talented and you have to be, uh, you know, have a good work ethic to make it happen. But, yeah, that that was the path. You get what I'm saying? We, we, we I, I like to say we manifested it, but we also lucked out that yeah. that, that day we met him and he liked the work too. You know what I'm saying? And, um, um, that's kind of where we got into the industry through that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it was at a good time because they were trying to get into the industry as well. So obviously J-Rock was already doing his stuff at Warner, I believe. But, you know, us being 100% independent, you're just like going with the homies and the homie raps and, oh, K-Dot raps. Like, we're meeting at like Top's house. We're shooting videos at Kendrick's mom's house. You get what I'm oh, saying? Shit. Like, um, it was very indie, which is kind of like what happens now. You get what I'm saying? A lot of kids nowadays, they they can just get a camera and shoot in front of their doorstep, and yeah. the shit goes viral. So I feel like um, it was a blessing for sure because we I don't know where our career would have been at had we not done that. But at the same time, we did do all the videos before that. So when that moment happened, the opportunity. Well, you know what they say, when opportunity meets, what is it, a yeah. work ethic or some shit? <laughs> Something, like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, like all those videos we did, for, we did for you, like back then, back in like 07, 08, it was like, that's all preparation for yeah. the future. And ultimately, like, the videos aren't any different than the videos that we would do for you back then. Yeah. Like, it's still an artist, you still have to please the artist, you still have to craft a story around the artist, work with the artist, collaborate with the artist. So... It's not like a day, like the overnight thing. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, um, yeah, like no, like I mean, this is crazy because like, like we said before, we started the interview. I've known you like 14 years now, or something. Like that. Jesus Christ, is that is that yeah, or 12 years? 12, 12 years. years? 12 years. 12. Because 2019. Yeah, 12 years. Terry, is it 2019? 2019. So yeah, yeah, 12. Yeah, 12 years. I mean, it's like what you're what you're saying. It makes me think of this thing. I think about a lot that happens in. Um, in the arts, when people are making breakthroughs, um, climbing different levels in their career, uh, like you said, you gotta have the base thing has to be talent, right? That's the foundation of the house. You gotta be skilled at whatever your craft is, and then you also gotta work hard. Cause how many times you hear the stories or know people personally that are even wildly more talented than you, but they just can't fucking buckle down and, and work. Exactly. But there's this third factor that I think is actually the thing that is the most significant that really makes and breaks people's careers and how, how they progress and it's the one that's kind of out of your control to an extent it's like it's timing but not just when an opportunity comes by but knowing how to recognize an opportunity summer I, I mean summer could be really big like if Kendrick was as big now as he was like when you were back then and stepped to you you wouldn't be confused if obviously this is a crazy opportunity this dude's huge but to see some dudes who are um, you know kind of they're still jumping off point at the same time as yours but being able to recognize that that this could be a fucking crazy opportunity because this dude J-Rock's in their crew and he's sort of bubbling a little bit you know and being able to see the opportunity for what it could be and capitalize on it that's like a whole other skill in itself and I think that's what helps people kind of make big strides in their careers sometimes for sure and I think that that third element that you're talking about uh, it's a feeling in my opinion going with your gut you get what I'm saying going with your gut also like especially dealing with like like rap stuff like you actually have to be a rap fan or a hip hop fan to understand skill and talent like 
I've been listening to hip hop and rap since I was like five years old. You get what I'm saying? So it's like some of that has to, you know, drive some sort of internal skill and feeling and instinct towards when you get older and you might want to start his career in like doing music videos. Like, yeah, you should probably like rap music. But like understand it. Understand it and also like see like where it could go. You get what I'm saying? And like, um, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like there's some things that you can't control. There's some things that you, you wish were different. You know what I'm saying? Um, but ultimately like as you, as now the time has passed, like everything starts to make sense as to why it happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's pretty crazy. It's like more more of like a spiritual thing. You ever you ever do any videos for like like rock groups or folk singers or anything? We did, EDM we did, DJs? We've, we've done a couple of videos for a couple of people. Uh damn, I wish I knew their name. because <laughs> uh, usually like when once you start getting into like the label system of getting music uh, videos yeah, done, yeah. they throw a lot of shit at you. So and like did you approach those any different than you would a hip hop video? Um only the ones that were out of my element. Like we did a couple, we did like a rock band once, and we just kind of like stereotypically put them in like a warehouse. And like, <laughs> Wait, that was it hard rock or something? Oh, damn, I don't even know the name of the group. Was it like indie, like like nah, emo y shit? Or was they were they dressed? Was nah, they were like yelling and shit. Okay, like, so like warehouse dark, like we're dark, grease chains, right. cement walls. And then at first we were like, yeah, let's let's try to like diversify, <laughs> diversify our work and try to get other genres in. And then I was like, man, you know what? Maybe this rock shit isn't for me. But <laughs> Yo, at least you're honest about it. Some people like to bite off as much as they think they can chew, but then it dilutes the the part of their skill that they're very good at. You right. know? Well, I think the, the the one thing that that has helped in switching genres, not just hip hop and rap, is we did a lot of videos for DJs, and did videos for um, like we did these videos for these DJs named Yellow Claw. They're on Mad Decent, or they were. Oh, on, okay. They were. They were on Mad Decent. I, th I think they're on. I forget what they're on now. But like, those guys were cool because they're not even in the video. So they yeah. like they kind of just give you the budget and they go go ahead and make something tight, bro. Yeah. And that's that's usually a, a more free. Um, that's where you can really show your skills off. You get what I'm saying? Because yeah. like, you're not confined to like the artist's time, their concept. They're just like, here's the budget. I fuck yeah. with it. Go do it. And you don't got a prima donnas on set. Like not at all. You and have you got to done uh, some videos. With, I know you can't air out their names and shit, but has there been like any times on like? Can you tell a story without saying any names? Or just, I can say names. Like oh fuck yeah, it, then say some names. Do damage goods. Fredo, uh, let it rip, baby. No, nah, that's uh, damn. Like who's the who's we calling you out? Here's the, all right, so Jay Z, the time you did the video with Fredo, <laughs> I wish we had done that. Yeah. Uh, now the only time I think like one of the big stories that like, we always tell within our crew is like um, we did a video for E40, right? Legend. And it was uh, Jeezy, Chris Brown. G Easy? No, no, Jeezy. Oh, uh, Jeezy. Young okay, Jeezy. Well, you gotta, you gotta make a distinction we'll nowadays. We'll we'll no, it's all good, bro. It's not uh, your fault. You from a different uh, era, my yeah. era. Young Jeezy. Uh, Chris Brown, French Montana, and Red Cafe on the track, right? Damn. So it's a remix of, it's called the, fun the Function Remix. Oh, that's a good joint. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting situation because, like, Chris Brown was the most professional, yet the most destructive at the same time. Damn, well, we've seen what his hands can do. Right. <laughs> it's crazy, but... Uh, we and I don't think think it was him. I think it was more the his entourage of people who he was hanging around with. That's got to be worse than the artists. Where um, he requested a trailer. Obviously, he's like this. You know, he's he should should he deserves a trailer. 
Uh, and then at the end of the day, we go to his trailer and it's just trashed. Chris Brown destroyed the trailer. It was like it was like things that needed not to be destroyed, like <laughs> the refrigerator door like was just broken, so it's like they had unhinged it. Uh, there was like cigarette stains on the floor. Dude, they went uh, for like twelve hours. Yeah, they were just sitting there like they. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened in it, but then like then we get a big ass invoice from the uh, from the rental company, and they were just like, yeah, you're gonna have to re, you have to fix all this shit that they broke. <laughs> So I mean, his label ended up paying for it, so um, it wasn't a big deal. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, the the big the the for artists like sometimes they're late, sometimes, sometimes. They they're always late. Bro. <laughs> um, they don't read the treatment until the day of, and now you get yes. on set and they're like, "Hey man, I don't think I want to do this." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we had a a recent video where like the video is coming out the next day, the next morning at 9 a.m. And I'm on the phone with the artist at 2 a.m. and he doesn't want to put it out. Because, well, he didn't like some of the shots. Once nah, edited. he was just in his head, I think. And he was, uh, he just said that he didn't really believe in the concept anymore. And he felt that it was going against his morals. But it's like, bro, you was there the whole day. Yeah, dude. That's where, like, a manager needs to be kind of, like, talking to the artist, I feel like, to helping them understand, like, the, the scheduling of the releases and shit of like course, that. Yeah. And if you have more qualms, you need to be. Vocal about that way before the night of a release of anything, yeah. and I get that. I, as an artist myself, I've had things that now I wouldn't put out because I, I view them differently or change them, or even in like months going up to it. But like that last minute shit is damn near impossible to yeah, pull off. Yeah, it's wild. But I mean, we have stories for days, man. Like um, a lot of positive stories though too. You know what I'm saying like not everything is bad. Yeah. Um, but you know, artists are artists, and. At the end of the day, it's like they make the music and we got to yeah. direct it. The entourage aspect, like you said, that's that's the worst. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I used to sometimes, I'd have like a small entourage. And then I got older and I was had my band and different things. Like I didn't even want people around me. I wanted to roll the less amount of people possible because you move faster. There's less distractions. Plus entourages get you in trouble, dude. Stealing things, breaking things. And it's just distracting. And, and, and I think sometimes people do it as like a comfort thing. Mm -hmm. A, you want to like show your boys a good time and, and, and expose them to shit. But then sometimes it's also to, to help the ego, make them yeah. comfortable. Especially when you see one dude on stage. Only one dude's rapping, but there's like 15, 20 dudes. I, I like despise that now. Yeah. Like like if I if I went to a concert and I saw any artist I like doing that now, I'd be real disappointed, you know? Mm -hmm. And even like you know, even when I'm on tour and I work for like people like in EDM world or like the heavy metal world, they still do entourages too. It's not just a hip hop thing. So right. don't throw that there. I have to deal with it in the metal world and EDM world too, and it's fucking Annoying. Just as annoying, dude. <laughs> Whether you're fucking some asshole drunk dude on stage, you know, is listening to fucking Slayer or he's listening to fucking Young Jeezy or whatever, it's just some asshole entourage, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? That's crazy. We, I mean, we we haven't had too many distract too many things that happen. No, actually, no. That same video with the Chris Brown one, there was a girl that we thought had OD. Jesus. I guess uh, somebody somebody in somebody's crew, out of the four artists that were featured on the track. They gave out the address to the shoot, and they tweeted it out. Oh, dude! And this is 2000 and dude. what is it? 2013. What if you had like drama with somebody? Someone want to rob all that equipment? That's right. me thinking. I remember we were in the studio and like you know, lights are off and all the lights are pointing one way, so you can't really see behind you. Lights turn on. There's like 200 people in the fucking warehouse, just watching the video. 
and you're just like, damn. And it was early on in our career, so like we didn't have security, we didn't have like permits. We didn't yeah, have, you're trying to focus and do this. Yeah, and it's like the first time you get a big opportunity, so you're like, hell yeah, like I want to kill this shit. And then it's like, you know, just being inexperienced. You get what I'm saying? We could have, we should have uh, had security at the gate. We should have uh, charged charged the label that. You get what I'm saying? Because um, now we understand like certain responsibilities that are not our responsibilities. It's actually the managers, artists, and the, their label to take care of that shit. It's yeah. not our responsibility. But uh, yeah, being the being, girl didn't know D though, right? No, nah, she woke up. Okay. <laughs> just had a double check. We was concerned. No, we thought she here. did, because they were saying that. I think somebody came in and whispered in my ear, hey, I think a girl just OD'd. Like you're like back. doing a shot, your yeah, eyes are closed, like, and someone like, whispers that. You're like, shit. And then it's your responsibility, you know what I'm saying? And at the time, we didn't have insurance. We didn't have. We didn't, yeah, gorilla style. Yeah, gorilla style. And we had, a, we had a budget, but we didn't like. We were like, oh, insurance or get a better camera. Hey, let's get a better camera. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're investing in your craft. Yeah, but now. I mean, it's fucking man. I, you know, I think back to some videos I I did like, and I've some I even like directed. Like I didn't wasn't behind the lens, but I wrote the treatment for it and stuff. And guerrilla style, man. Like you're not gonna be able to get certain permits. And if you have a huge crew like multiple cameramen and entourage, you can't get away with some of that mm -hmm. shit. But if it's just like one two cameramen, maybe just like maybe you and an assistant on the set, you can hop some fences and mm -hmm. sneak into some places and shoot some shit in places otherwise you know you would be not allowed to hell yeah we did a lot of that a lot of, a lot of jumping gates and, <laughs> and, we did, and we shot some good shit man sometimes some of that stuff is better because it yeah. feels more authentic yeah, and it feels more raw and authentic and like you get the artist personality out of the way if the, if the, if the right artist is down for that yeah, you, know you gotta what I'm be humble enough right yeah we used to do that a lot hell yeah yeah, man. I don't. Ego is just a tough one for me to deal with. I mean, I still deal with it now too. But like as a director, I imagine that's just gotta be fucking frustrating. But you got you got a good temperament though. You a mellow cat. Yeah, I'm pretty mellow. Uh, I think lately, like even just the last like this year, even after I have my son, it's not my responsibility to like make sure that these people do their job right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So you gotta do like, your job right. Yeah. So. I'm taking it more. I think it also comes with the fact that I feel like I've already accomplished some of the things that I wanted to accomplish in music videos. Like, I did the things that I wanted to do when I was a kid. You get what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to be in the music industry, and I wanted to shoot videos for rappers that were famous because I enjoyed that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Back when I was a kid, I was like, hell yeah, I want to shoot videos for Nas, Jay-Z. And then the guys that we ended up shooting videos for became that. Yeah. To this generation, right? So I think now that I've accomplished that, I have a, it's not a higher tolerance for bullshit. It, it kind of is because then I just don't give a fuck. It's kind of like, all right, well, last second you want to throw in this fucking scene in this video and you're going to throw off all my direction, yeah. then I guess it's just a job and we're going to go do the job, but I'm not going to be emotionally attached to it. Yeah. And I'm going to get my money and we're going to dip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it, it actually does it. Because yeah. it only hurts you. Like I said, like if you're an artist, you're so, you are an artist. Yeah. And if you're going to make a song and then last second me as a director goes, hey, you know what? Can you change this whole verse? Because, like, I don't really like it. <laughs> How would you feel? You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the artists do that to us. And then in the beginning of my career, I would, I would you know, oblige by it and, like, mold the treatment to better fit what the artist wanted. But then the idea didn't come out as good. So now it's like, all right, if I land the job and the artist wants to change it, there's a threshold moment that happens when you're like, all right, I don't give a fuck about this anymore, as much as I should. Yeah. And when when an artist does let us care about it enough, we'll give you, we'll go above and beyond. 
yeah. when an artist comes in or a label head comes in or a manager uh, comes in and they, and they fuck shit up, the video still has to get done. It's still a job. So do the job, but it's not necessarily... I'm not gonna put my name on it. I'm not gonna. Promote you're not gonna. It. Yeah, you're not gonna go out of your way. Then nah, you're, it's you, it's literally cutting, getting a check cut, and at and that point, you get what I'm saying. Project because they're not now. If the sometimes artists do come in with great ideas. Yeah, that's the other side of it. You get what I'm saying. But I think those people are few and far between when they understand production and they understand just the situation. Sometimes guys are just like and girls. I'm saying like uh, males and female artists. Uh, they'll just be like last second they might be insecure about something and they might say oh like this idea is too similar to this other artist idea but nobody gives a fuck you get what i'm saying and then they have to have input and i think i also feel like uh like some like uh <clears throat> ever since like kanye did like his career was like kind of dictated by him like artistically yeah and video wise so a lot of people feel like they can also do that. Yeah. But they may not be as talented or as skilled as, or has spent time doing art like Kanye has. And they just feel like, oh, no, 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 I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And you're like, no, bro, but we already agreed. We already kind of like spent the budget on getting all these props. We'll just get other props. So you, know, you can't change it like the night before. Or it's like Sunday. We can't go get a new location today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those are the ridiculous things that sometimes happen. <laughs> but um, ultimately, like, I've just learned now that, like, if that's going to happen, I can't really trip on it. Yeah, you're just going to be like, all right, dude. All sit right, sit well, there, oh, perform. The there you go, man. There it is. And yeah. then move on and then have somebody else edit it and then move on for somebody that actually cares about your art. You get what I'm saying? Like, uh, and, and I, I, I like to say that... Um, how do you say it? Like um, the story that I just told you. Like I would never, midway through like the shoot, be like, "Hey, bro, can you just go in and re-record the song?" Because I don't really like the way you said it. Yeah. And he's just like, "Fuck you." <laughs> and uh, that, when you, I think when you throw things at the project that last minute, you can kind of fuck with like the the focus of the per, like in your yeah. foot, or like if if you did that to the rapper, fuck with their focus and their uh, confidence going back in to, to finish it and shit. No, for sure, it happens. It happens a lot. I think lately too that like. As now our company has grown and we we are getting better budgets and getting better, uh, you know, people people go people ask us to do videos when they really want us to do a video. You're gonna get an A plus video. It's gonna be dark. It's gonna be grimy. It's gonna be some gangster shit probably in there. So then that's what we do best. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the kind of it just all goes all goes back to the type of movies that we make that I like. You get what I'm saying? What so it's of, like what are some of your I favorite like, flicks? You know, like City of God, Godfather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good taste, Fredo. You get what I'm saying? I'm like, a film snob, so if you were to come on Damaged Goods and utter some bullshit, I would be very. Uh, I would take it to the heart. So I, I like your. You get what I'm saying? So that, that's the, that, that's the, that's those are the kind of movies that made me want to get into filmmaking. So it's like that's re- relatively what you're gonna get out of me. Did you, you ever like? Because I've known other videographers who started as like music video directors and kind of wanted eventually or naturally they transitioned into short films and try to like do other directorial shit. Do you ever have any aspirations for a film? Yeah, for sure. I mean, initially, like why I went to Emerson College was because I wanted to just make movies. Really? And then uh, I remember I, I, I changed my major to television and video because uh, I sat in a film class. And the, the teacher was like, all right, first and foremost, you have dues that you got to pay. And then the guy was like, you got you to, everybody has to turn in like $2,500 by the next month to fund a film. 
right? And I was like, yo, I don't. In college, in college, you say because that, that happens at every film school. I took film classes, but I didn't ever have to kick any bread up. That's crazy. They do, they they do that. I mean, I think they do that at a lot of film schools where they're like, you pay into a project, and then the entire class, and then they pick who's gonna direct it and who's oh. gonna edit it. And I was like, well, I'm already going to school here. And I'm paying to go to school yeah. here. Why am I gonna be the gaffer? Why am I gonna be the grip? I was like, no, nah, dude, I came here to learn how to direct. So yeah. I'm not gonna like pay to have the other dude over here direct. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I did. That sounds like first bullshit, class. dude. That's some. That does kind of sound yeah. like bullshit. You're already paying. Yeah. You so double pay. Yeah. So I dipped and then um, went television and video, and then I was just directing things around the school by myself. You know yeah. what I'm saying? With the homies and like. I had an, uh, that's how I ended up meeting you through Kerosene. Yeah, shout out yeah. to DJ Kerosene. He's Damage Goods podcast alum. Hell yeah. Atlanta, if you're in Atlanta, go listen to him, spin some records. Um, what was I gonna say? What you like? You like fuck with independent film and shit? You like cagey little gangster movies? Of course, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, that's that's where I learned. Like, I remember when I was I was, I was like 18, right? And I saw I saw a. Tr- the trailer for City of God. Yeah. Now it's obviously a cult has a cult following and yeah. people really fuck with it. But at the time, it was only ran at like small theaters. Yeah, that's where I saw it. I saw it at a small ass theater. It was like fifteen seats. Oh, in I the see that small. It was, that like was Matt Little. Hundred. It was at a. Um, it was only like me and my brother and my other homie that went to go see it. So ill. Yeah, and then like as time went on, it caught it caught uh so it good caught fire. But uh, hell yeah, I love those kind of movies. I yeah. love like. Um, Shit, I don't even know the top of my head the names of them, but you know, that's ultimately like the kind of movies that I want to make. Mm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When I do get into that world, like I'm starting, to, I'm starting to figure out like why I want to make movies, and I'm glad that I didn't make movies when I was younger because I think I would have had a perspective that was kind of stupid. Because yeah, now that I'm great, now that I'm a little bit older, yeah. I've been through some shit, I see the world a little different. I think now I can give a voice as opposed, as opposed to just making a movie to make a movie. You get yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point, dude. Like, why you want to make them? That's a good point. Yeah, because you ultimately, like, when you when you see, like, a director's name attached to a movie, you think that's his perspective. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and it ultimately is, right? Because that's who, who who leads it. Um, obviously, the writer also leads it, but like, ultimately, like, your name is on your name is attached to it. So, like, yeah. if you make a movie and it's about some dumb shit that you don't even believe in, but you made it, it's, no, you, you, you co-signed it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm glad that, like, uh, and my whole plan was always, let's do music videos because I love it, not for any reason. Because a lot of people sometimes downplay music videos uh, in the filmmaking world. It's like, oh well, I don't do music videos, I do films. Yeah. yeah. But they don't because they don't make movies. Because only only there's only a certain amount of movies that come out every year, and those people that say that don't make those movies. You get what I'm saying? Normally, you get you kind of catch yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I smell you. So. Um, I feel like with us, like, with, like back to the question about like making movies in the future, uh, I feel like I was able to get a lot of my ideas for techniques out through music videos, and luckily able to get them funded through like the music industry. You get what I'm saying? Like, how hard is it to find funding for your short film? It's almost impossible sometimes. You get what I'm saying? I see a lot of people really struggle with that. Yeah. So with the idea that through these music videos, we're able to being a constant filmmaking uh, repetition every year in, year out, month in, month out, it's only strengthening those skills. Yeah, yeah, you know you're constantly saying? practicing. Constantly practicing, and it's like, I already know what I like. I know I, I we've intentionally put like techniques in videos that are uniquely to us that eventually one day I'll put them in a movie and just 
orchestrate the story around that technique. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's where I'll find the reason to do a movie. You get what I'm saying? As opposed to, um, I don't know, everybody do, Everybody does everything for their own reasons. You get what I'm saying? And my reasons, I feel like, are I'm, I'm slowly starting to find what I will actually like to co-sign. Yeah. What type, the type of stories. And also just like, I fuck with just like dope-ass techniques. Like there's like a... a a shot in City of Men where like the, the camera, show no no the movie oh City of God the, the movie? City, no City City no, of Men was the children, show Children of Men oh, Children of Men oh. so Children of Men I'm sorry um, where the camera's inside of the car and it's just rotating 360 yeah and you see all the people shot. coming down and I remember being a kid being like damn that shit is hard like how do I do that you get what I'm saying and then I've tried that in some videos and then it was alright like I tried it in one it was okay it didn't quite work out I tried it in a second video alright now I got it and then now there's a That's third cool. one. It's like, all right, now I know how to tell a story with that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? How to flip it into my own way as opposed to just copying somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Um, even in we did we did this video for Schoolboy Q, uh, John Muir video, where we just put the camera on the side of the car, and it never moves. So, wait, so if the camera's facing in the same direction the car's going? The camera's facing. It's on the right side. The the Like, in the back of the car, it's facing forward so the camera there's just there's just cuts right and the camera always stays in the same place but these characters go throughout the city and they get into some shit oh i see they hop out the web go to the store yeah, come so back all the action is happening on the right side right and initially people that we told the the concept to they were like oh no no we need so we need to take the camera off there in order for us to achieve a music video like nah dog like let's just keep it there the whole time yeah let's challenge ourselves to direct something just from one that from that one perspective and obviously people think you're stupid and people think you're dumb and then you're like, no, nah, man, I'm telling you, it's going to work. It's going to yeah. work. And finally, we were able to get um, somebody to agree to let us do it. You know what I'm saying? And also because um, it's one of those situations where like the or schoolboy was only in that video for one scene. So the rest of the video it was just us to just use L.A. as a playground and go out there and just shoot some dope shit. And then ultimately, that's a video that people really like of ours where you follow your instinct and you just go after a certain thing it's creative it's creative and it also is, is challenging as a director because we were shooting those videos and we were like alright like how do we we're shooting that video and like how do you tell the full story and normally you just cut the b-roll or cut to the back so there's like a police chase no there's a, a gun chase in the video where like the guys who they robbed earlier catch up to them and he's shooting towards the camera, towards the back. So we were like, oh, let's just cut to the other car and now we're gonna get the action. But no, we can't cut to the other car because the camera stays here the whole time. So we had to think about it and we're like, how do we show the other guys? So we had the car do a, uh, not a U-turn, but like a, what is it called? Like a, when the cars drift and they turn around. The U-turn? I don't know. It's a U-turn, right, whatever. So the car drifts, does a turn, and then now the other car, now you see the other car. Oh, oh right. So then before that, you had never, you didn't know who he was shooting against. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So those are things that are, and now, that particular concept is unique to us. I've seen it happen, I've seen people try it in some videos, and I've also seen, recently saw it in a movie. What movie? I forget, so the homie Scott told me, and he was like, hey, I think they kind of took elements of our video and put it in the movie jacked. which is fine because ultimately when I make my movies and I use my own techniques yeah. I'm already I already went I'm already past it I already know what I did wrong with that video you get what I'm saying and I already know what I can how I can make it better so ultimately yeah I do want to make movies and the last 10 years of doing music videos have only prepared me 
to do that even. Yeah. And also, I want my movies. I, I, I want my movies to have dope ass soundtracks. Yo, soundtracks used to be such a more um, an important aspect of movies. I feel back in the like in the well in the seventies. I think the like legendary soundtracks where they'd have one artist do the whole fucking soundtrack. And even right. in the nineties, when I was young, like dude, movies had dope ass soundtracks. And me as a director, I think I want to. That's a big part of why I want to make movies. It's like I love. Like think about Belly. Yeah. And the intro to Belly, like somebody had to make a decision to put that track in the beginning. Yeah. Right. So I want to, like, another song wouldn't fit in that with that vibe, right? Yeah. So now, I'm a fan of music. I love music, so it's gonna be an integral part of my movies. Yeah, the best movies always have six scores and six soundtracks. They have to. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm I'm big into old music, and, and like in the '70s, you had a run. Of movies, a lot of them mainly black exploitation movies where you'd have one great artist do the soundtrack. I mean, Sur- Superfly by Curtis mm-hmm. Mayfield is one of the best. And you got James Brown did Black Caesar. Marvin Gaye did Trouble Man. Herbie Hancock did fucking uh, Death Wish with Charles Bronson. Like, you got these dudes scoring the whole movie. You know, Isaac Hayes, Shaft, like phenomenal soundtracks. Bobby Womack did 110th Street. It's one artist, and these fucking, it just gives a, there's continuity in the sound, right, right, right. and it fits the movie. And I remember, like, in the 90s, there was, like, you know, like Above the Soundtrack, New Jersey Drive. There was a lot of dope, like movies that had original hip hop uh, mm-hmm. soundtracks. You know, music made for that movie. And then something happened in like the 2000s, man, where soundtracks just stopped like being a thing. Some movies would come out with soundtracks, right. but like people didn't buy them. Like you would go out and buy this soundtrack for you know, or fucking remember like Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard. Like not <laughs> right. you know, that was like the biggest fucking shit in the world right, right. when I was young. Like you couldn't go anywhere and not hear it. But those were movies with soundtracks made for the movie, and and they had a big impact. And then something in the 2000s, man, I just don't recall a lot of soundtracks coming out, original soundtracks. It wasn't. No, I don't think so. Right? And like, uh, I, this movie uh, Drive, you know the movie yeah, Drive? Yeah, of course. So I'm a huge uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. I can never pronounce his last name right. That director, that Danish dude. I'm right. a huge fan of him. Right. Um, and that soundtrack was phenomenal. Yeah, that was crazy. And uh, I, I was like one of the first soundtracks in like 15 years, 10 years. I remember like like knowing about buying, listening. And then he used um, this guy, Cliff Martin. Martinez, who did most of that soundtrack right, for right. two of his other movies, uh, and that's fire, dude. It gives a feel, a vibe, dude. It's crazy. I didn't know about Cliff Martinez until, uh, like, in our in, in our grind of like our videos, our like business, right, our A plus film business. Um, this guy that I met randomly once again at a studio. This guy Brian McNeils. He works at. I don't know if he still works there or not, but Lakeshore Records. Lakeshore is a movie company, and they have a department solely just for soundtracks. That's so, dope. Right? And um, he, you know, just me trying to hustle, get some work out of him. Um, he was like, I think I got some work for you, bro. Come by the office on Monday, and uh, I'll tell you what I have. And he had, every month he needed to put out, like, slideshow videos of soundtracks, like snippets. Like, say, like, if the soundtrack had 10 songs, it was supposed to be like ten, like ten to fifteen seconds of each track on a soundtrack, right? And I did that for like a year, and he would uh, pay us five hundred bucks every soundtrack to do them, right? And then if that led to interviewing some of the guys that made the soundtracks for Lakeshore Records, and uh, we interviewed Cliff Martinez at his home studio. Dude, where was that? In Malibu. Balling, fuck home studio. Hopefully yeah. it's still there. Oh, uh, he was super sick. It was like a, it was like a dope ass house, and he just had like a sick ass studio. And he just says he just 
makes music and then like dude makes some sick yeah and he had um he had all these like crazy instruments that he had brought in like an instrument from like china that had only made a certain sound and that's the sound that he needed to get like to evoke the right emotion ultimately this guy is sick dude that's deep uh yeah but all of these things like i feel like are gonna go hand in hand with like just in the future when I make my movies Hell like, yeah. even being in there being like oh shit Cliff Martinez used that crazy ass fucking <laughs> instrument what is that yeah. that could probably be something that I could throw in my movies and just because of that and once again the access that these music videos have given me has give, put put me in rooms that I would have never been able to be in rooms sure. had I just like pursued a film career. That, yeah, when you made that point about the funding thing earlier, I didn't really ever think about that. But I know a lot of independent uh, video directors like yourself who you able to get budgets through the mm-hmm. artists or their labels. But when it comes to kids I know making independent movies, they'll go years just trying to get the budget mm-hmm. and they're so you're not actually honing your skill you're not like getting to work on shit all the time right. you're still just trying to raise money it's, and like maybe you can get one movie out for uh, in three years or something yeah like if I said lucky. like on my on my on my end like I moved to LA I moved back to LA um when I went to college and I came back home um I tried going the Hollywood route. I tried going and getting jobs in Hollywood, and I thought I was going to be an editor at first. Like, I'll, I'll be an editor, and then eventually I'll meet people, and then I'll get a movie. Mm. You know, so these wild thoughts that you have yeah. as a college fucking student. And then uh, um, I'm in my journey, and now that I know myself better, I'm glad that I, that, that didn't work out. Yeah, you sometimes these these things happen in such yeah. ways. So it's like I see I see people that succeed at finding funding for their short films, but I see a lot more people not. Yeah, I mean, I everybody I know who's ever done any independent film work, it's very tough for them to get funding, and it takes fucking forever. It takes forever, and it's like, I don't know, man. Like some people, I I, I applaud those people that stick it out and really do it. I just had my own plan. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. My path is I'm going to arrive at the same place. It's just I, I'm going to come with some other skills that yeah. maybe they don't have. But ultimately, it just comes down to what I'm going to do. It doesn't really matter what other people are doing. True. Um, but, yeah, man, like the independent film world, I've, I've dabbled a little bit into it. Like we've, we've submitted some of our videos into some of those festivals. And then now I'm meeting more people in the... In different, like I, f- I realize in LA, there's pockets of like yeah, uh, little scenes, little scenes, and like I was telling you earlier with like the Latina brand that we have, me and my fiance. Tell them again what that is. Uh, Viva La Bonita, and it's like a, a female Latina women empowerment brand, right? Not really women empowerment. It just kind of became women empowerment, but it's really just a fashion brand. But it's very, very much catered to la- the Latina female. So through that world, it's a whole different pocket than the hip hop rap world that yeah. I'm in. And I've been meeting more people in that world, and then now I'm meeting more like filmmakers in that world, and like, and then I'm like, okay, like there's there's a whole window of pocket of people that I've never even knew existed in LA that are trying to become filmmakers, and I see them go through the same problems that maybe like some other pockets of like filmmaking they they can't get funding. So I'm like, no, bro, like just fucking do it. You get what I'm saying? Like just shoot something like the cameras are good enough for you to shoot like the cameras are not an excuse no more like what it was what the excuse is just yourself like can you find the time to just make something and yeah. if it's good enough somebody will find it just like i said like we when we met kendrick like 
I had a video to show him instead of being like, oh, bro, I can't get funding, so I can't yeah. show you the idea. So if you give me funding, I'll show you that I'm good. Like, yeah, nah. Because I'll never get it that nah, way. Nah, you get what I'm saying? So ne- it's never going to happen. So, um, you know, long story short, I think that filmmaking for me is going to be however I make it, but I understand that it's very difficult to get funding, and I'm very glad that I was able to get my skills up through the funding of these music videos, through record labels and independent guys and whoever decided to like my work and give us money for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Very glad for that happened. Yo, so let me let me ask you this, because now this is like crossing my mind. So, yeah, the the clothing line with you and your lady, um, it's like female empowerment. Or it's like fashion design for Latinas. And you also direct music videos, a lot of hip-hop videos. And I've been around a lot of hip-hop videos right. myself, right? Like, you know, so do you ever go from like a meeting with the clothing company and the women empowerment shit and then go like shoot a video with like five asses just shaking 100%. like big booties yeah so is that ever conflict of interest at home like no not is that because Rachel's been with me damn near my whole path of music videos you know what I'm saying she I knows mean, about all the butts shaking in she, the videos she gets She's it cool like I say one of her big my, one of my biggest videos is this video for schoolboy man of the year oh yeah and yeah, yeah, and yeah and I know like, I love that video yeah and then like I always because <laughs> she <laughs> if you've never seen this video go look at this video, video right and then think about the woman empowerment thing right that definitely but here's the thing <laughs> she knows the real story behind the stuff you get what i'm saying yeah. so like say like that particular video is completely the opposite of yeah. what women that's empowerment. What I was like <laughs> but at the same time isn't women empowerment allowing yeah. females to be whatever they feel yeah, like yeah she yeah it's both so nobody in that video no none of the females in that video were made like were forced to be in that video yeah. they all got paid yeah, yeah, and they course. all uh wanted to be there it that's was actually is the opposite of like the actual video shoot, like I feel like a lot of the video shoots, the the stigma behind them happened in the nineties. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Like I feel like now it's not really that. Maybe in some pockets, but like you don't want to be the guy that's known as the guy that like that directs videos and then like is a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. You get yeah. what I'm saying? And there is there is uh there's a <laughs> that's a funny story. The homie, I'm not gonna say his name, but George. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. It ain't George. We used to call him the uh, the cautious scumbag. The what? The the Kashi scumbag. Kashi? Because we were like, yo, how did you how did you end up talking to that girl? Oh man, you know I got her number. Did you get it from the Kashi? Oh Kashi! Fucking Kashi scumbag. But that only yeah. happens like to very and it doesn't work. You get what I'm saying? Like I've scumbag. seen these people try it and it doesn't work. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Like for the most part, also like, these girls at video shoots, they're there to do a job. Yeah, a lot of them are professional. I mean, I've hired, hired yeah. tons of models like that and they come in, they do the job, and they they get the money and they leave. And they, they do leave. that all the time. Yeah. It's that part of the game. It's, it's a it's a rip it's like a it's like it's like an actor. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. you you can hire an actor for your commercial. It doesn't mean that they are yeah. the you know, say you, you hire um uh <laughs> it's like you hire uh uh, a female lawyer for a commercial. You don't. After you go, hey, can I get some? Call, can I get a consultation from you? Cause yeah. No, I was just acting like that. You get what I'm yeah. saying? So if it's a girl who's like maybe like scantily dressed, she's not a hoe. Yeah. She's just playing one in the video. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> not a hoe in real life. I just play one on TV. On TV type shit. You always because sometimes you hear two sides 
of of that debate coming from the female standpoint some women will say it's degrading you're just you know these repetitious images of way women are portrayed we have more realm and range than that and then some women will say well not nah, it's empowering because we're making money and being sexy and powerful and you know and i mean i don't think there's anything more feminist than two men talking about it so <laughs> i'm joking but i mean you know you hear both sides of it coming from women and and uh you know i, I mean i kind of subscribe to the, the opinion you said you know um and then and, and it, there's more there's different ways of degradation but like when it's a person being hired in a professional manner and setting and stuff and they know what they're doing they like that they make money and and even with us like we are we also on our end as a company we have a reputation to uphold yeah so you know if you want to keep working in a city like la and keep doing videos and you want girls to keep coming to your video shoots whether it be for like a scene of them being like you know like not that much that much clothes on or like a video where like they're actually acting yeah like you kind of have to have a good reputation because somebody will ask hey have you guys worked with these people again oh no there's comebacks don't go over there yeah and then it ruins our business yeah yeah you know what i'm saying because ultimately it's like all whenever i'm on set all i want to do is finish and go home especially if it's been 12 15 hours yeah the the last thing you you want to i mean everybody's Different, you get what I'm saying. Uh, prob- on our set, we've never had any uh, any situation where people are harassing the female. Yeah, you get what yeah. I'm saying like uh, we normally, if anybody, if any of that were to happen, you just stop it. You're like kick that, kick those people out. Yeah, yeah. And it's like professional setting yeah, here, folks. Exactly. Like now, other sets, maybe you get what I'm saying. I don't know. I've heard stories about like photographers being creepy and shit. Yo, like that, I said that on an episode. A while ago about like top three like date rapiest people it's like date rapists personal trainers and photographers right. with the exception of like a few of my good friends who are photographers and they're gentlemen but it's kind of because it's less people on set I yeah. feel like and it's I'm, t- if I'm the photographer I'm telling you stand like this dude it's, I'm giving you direction and power and sometimes some people like being told what to do so they're doing it and there's this power dynamic and then yeah they are I've hung out with some creepy ass photographers dude yeah. they look mad date rapey yeah 100% uh, you know? so stay away from those guys yeah, but I mean, yeah, you got a bigger business, and it was just interesting because I, I you're telling me these two things, and I was like, oh shit, right? he does a lot of rap videos, and he's got this woman empowerment thing. I was wondering how, you know, but your guess, lady's cool. Yeah, because I guess also is like uh, when you look at our videos that we're, what we're known for are they're more concept driven. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. I agree with you. For and that. then there's uh, there's videos that are more, uh, I guess, like showing off, like how many girls an artist can get. But yeah. normally those girls are paid yeah. to be there, and they don't even talk to the artist. You Afterwards, get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's once the camera stops, so rolling. I guess for me, like I say, in my relationship is like she understands the reality of it. Yeah. As a and she's also been on sets before. You know what I'm saying? She's all, for a while. She also helped us like on the producing end because she was just like, hey, I need somebody to go get crafty. Can you just go grab it? And then she would do it. And it's like you're on set, you're looking. It's like oh, no way. Normally behind the scenes, people are on their phones. <laughs> Minding their own business yeah. until it's time to perform, and then they go right back to their seat. It is boring. You yeah. get what I'm saying? And it's like it's not a party. Yeah, I think people have a whole misconception about yeah. what it is. Like I said, I think it just comes down to like the behind, like the the making of the videos, uh, like BTS videos from the '90s, and where you see like. Or like like Nelly's tip drill. You oh, think dude, you, that was like borderline porn. How many young gentlemen jacked off to that <laughs> shit on BT Uncut Live? The tip drill video, what a tipping point. Right, so it's like that that and you go to one of my sets, it's like that's not really happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dude, we did a video in New York City, you and I, and I, we didn't plan for this, but we ended up shooting in the fucking pouring rain. Do you remember that? It was like downpouring. It was you and I think it was your man Scott. We was in like the 
east side of Manhattan. Oh, yeah, you're right. And, and it, okay, it, it, made, it made the video cool. Obviously, you, you had to be like under something at certain times so the camera would get. I mean, dude, we're talking dumping rain. I forgot about I was that wearing video. all black. I had like leather on. I'm, when we get in the car at the end of the shoot, I, mean, I look like I jumped in the East River. I was soaking wet to my right. socks. Dude. I remember that. But now. it looks cool. It was fun, you know? And there was no naked hose in that video. Too cold, too much it rain. Was, yeah, nobody was going to do that. But that was crazy. I don't even remember how you didn't get your camera wet. I think we might have we had an umbrella. Oh, dude, that was fucking raining, bro. Damn, no, I, I I totally forgot about that. I was only remembering the ones in Boston. Yeah. We did shoot one in in, in, in New, New York, York City, and then we were at, we were in Brooklyn, right? We I, we think we did some shit in Brooklyn. Yeah, we went to Brooklyn to shoot in some like. Kind of abandoned areas, and then we were in Manhattan on the east side, getting soaking wet, <laughs> soaking wet. That's crazy. That was the same weekend we did this Talib Kweli video. Yep, yep, that's right. He was there. That's why we. That's why up. I was in New York. We were shooting a Talib Kweli video. We had like a couple of days off between. Cause we were shooting two videos for him. Had some days off, and it just worked out schedule wise. But yeah, there was no there was no girls in those videos. Yeah, yeah. Even for Kweli, it was just him. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> he does. He's not the big booty shaking video kind of dude. Right. Right. It's yeah. fucking. Fun. So like with the clothing company, your girl kind of she's like more on the the creative tip of the the actual gear, right? Exactly. And you yeah. kind of just more on the business side of things. Um. Well. CEO Fredo. CEO Fredo basically like trying to trying to make things make sense and also learning at the same time like like. All of this is new to me as well. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, but I have a plan for all this. You get what I'm saying? It all, it all, it all starts to make sense. It's like, okay, people complain a lot about being the filmmaking side, right? They complain a lot about like not getting funding and losing out on money and this and that, blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna make my movies. I'm gonna do my soundtracks. I'm gonna direct them, and I'm gonna also do the merchandise. You get what I'm saying? And if, well, now that I understand the 360 degrees of how you make money off a product, like a movie is just a product, and it's a marketing tool to to make some money. Luckily, I like making them, so I want to make good movies. Yeah. And then uh, beyond that, all the knowledge that I'm taking in from this clothing brand, I can then facilitate the merchandise for my movies or do it for other people. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, in the process, it's not like I know everything about the clothing industry. I'm learning day day in, day out, day in, day out. Because at one point, this particular brand wasn't working. And then it started to work. And then all the things that you, that you listen to on YouTube. And I listened to a lot of Dame Dash, right? And he was, um, this was like 2014, he was preaching invest in women, right? And he was like, invest in women because... It's just a better time, and in that I didn't understand it until I did it, and it's a much easier time when you invest into women than into rappers. Yeah, you get, yeah. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it's a much more like the office smells better. You get what I'm saying? Like, one hundred percent agree. A thousand billion percent agree. And so anyway, so like listening to his podcast and his YouTube interviews, you find gems. Obviously, there's a lot of crazy shit every now and then, but ultimately, he's he it's coming from a genuine place because he's done it. He's a savvy businessman. Savvy, very savvy, and it's also he preaches independence, and it's like I had to be independent by necessity and then it turned out to be the best thing and yo at the end of the day dude it's better to be independent than 
if it works out for you, yeah. you're gonna see that it's that it's the better thing to do. Yeah, you don't you have to swallow saying? your pride. You don't have to Nothing. fucking kind of like meet anyone in the middle on Nothing. shit. I can I can run a women empowerment brand and get and some butt shaking in, yeah, in a video. Fuck and yeah, dude. and nobody's gonna say anything. You That's what I'm talking about. The duality of men. Exactly. So we, um, you know, like I said, like within that business, like I, uh, you know, Rachel does do a lot of the creative direction, and she'll like. Kind of like give me mood boards, and I'll be like, "Oh shit!" Okay. I kind of, and obviously I'm with her every single day, so I understand from before I started working to now. I kind of know where she, her mind was at. So, me being a visual, I also learned a lot about myself the last ten years. That like, had I had I been taught in high school or at a, in elementary school, junior high, visually, I probably would have done better. With you're a visual learner. Yeah, but in the school, you think you're you're taught. The, uh, at least public school where yeah, I was yeah. at, it was the opposite. So I did average in school. You know what I'm saying? But now that I'm only focused on visual, I do great. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So um, when she can give me an idea of something that she wants to do, and also, like, I don't do everything. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, it's not that, like, I just do all the visuals. Like, that mood board helps. And then now that, like, I'm, I'm, uh, We've been doing this business for a while. I can hire the right photographer yeah. and not get overcharged and not get, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I understand the game better yeah. than I did in the past. So it's like, even for that brand, for the Bonita brand, we, for like the first two years of it working, we never hired anybody. It was just ourselves because like, we just shot all the photos on the iPhone, shot yeah. all the videos on the iPhone. Damn, the iPhone, man. You get what I'm saying? And then... Once it started working, we were able to actually pay people through the through the company. Then alleviate some of my time. I'm able to hire a photographer, hire designers, hire all that, and then, which gives now gives me more time to direct and also yeah, direct shit. the brand in a way that is tight. And at the same time, like the way that I see the brand is, I see it in the future. So like whenever I see the brand, I see it as a Nike. I see it as a uh, just brand, like Stussy brands that are just super tight to me yeah. and then even me growing up like I used to design shoes in class instead of doing my work <laughs> you get what I'm saying I used to tag instead of doing yeah. my work so like I always wanted to dress nice I didn't have money so I could just dress whatever my mom could buy me you yeah. get what I'm saying if I had the opportunity to buy better clothes I would have dressed better in high school maybe uh, but nonetheless I realized that I have talents for these things now uh, Rachel also has another set of talents that are different than mine, and that's where her fashion thing happens. You know what I'm saying? She's a better... She can... Like, I'm terrible at colors. Bad. You know what I'm saying? Even in my videos, I have to be like, all right, talk to my brother. I'd be like, hey, dude, like, what colors should these people wear? I'm not that good at that. I can conceptualize a sick-ass concept, but I can't tell you if that red matches yeah. with this other color. You get what I'm saying? She's great at that. So... It just complementing yeah, balances each balancing, other's strengths yeah. and weaknesses. Exactly, and then whatever, and then whatever things that we're not good at or things that we want to achieve. All right, now that we have, now that the business has grown and we have the ability to pay people, scour the internet, find a person that looks like they could be cool at, at it, interview them, be like, all right, can you shoot these photos? Then as soon as I hear some red flags, I right, move on to the next one because I've heard them. I've, I've either attempted to get more money out of somebody when I don't need, when I, I didn't need to. You get what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. as a hustler, you got to do that. So it's yeah. like, but now as a business owner, nah, bro, like, I have a camera, I have a studio, I have the backdrops, just come and shoot the photos. You can even just drop off the fucking photos in my, my hard drive, we'll edit them. 
You know what I'm saying? So I could bring down the cost in that. So there's an art to that too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The businessman world, yeah. dude. So smart. You learning all this shit as you go, dude. I was 100 percent what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't. I don't come from that background, but it's necessity. You get what I'm saying? And I, one thing that I learned is like sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. The only one thing that I learned is that like just even the fact that when we used to do the videos back in 2007, I was like we didn't have a crew. It was myself. Yeah. And you and you put it together with, yeah. the, with all your friends and family yeah. that was there. And the video itself, at the time, could rival a video that had a production. Yeah. So there's certain things that I learned along the way of like how to, how to business-wise cut certain costs. Yep. And then now, you know, like I don't want to do all the work anymore. So uh, I, you know, now I'm able, able to hire a DP, hire those people. So it all works with each other. You get what I'm saying? Like the brand, a brand can't grow unless you somebody's directing commercials, directing uh, the photo shoots. Uh, just in general, they're still directing there that needs to happen. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then it's like, um, it also helps that like, um, dude, I'm just telling you, like working working with females is a lot different than working with like rappers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah. a lot more appreciative. <laughs> yes. There's so much love sometimes at these shoots that I'm like, I feel weird. I'm like, man, how come I need somebody to be mad or something? Because yeah. like, uh, out of my element, you know what I'm saying? But uh, ultimately... I think everything that I do works with each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Of some sorts. It has to. Or else it feels, as soon as it starts feeling uncomfortable, I have to make a decision. Whether it's, am I feeling uncomfortable because I'm being like a bitch about it? Or uh. am I feeling uncomfortable because um, it's, I shouldn't be doing that? And I'm, I'm learning to understand that feeling because it's pretty similar feeling of being like, all right, I'm being... I'm not working hard enough at it, or like I shouldn't be doing it at all. Sometimes that feeling is very similar, and I'm learning to like trust myself more and to be yeah, like, no, 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 go you know with what? The instinctual Let's feels. Just leave this shit alone, or you know what? Let me put a few more hours into this and they get over that hump, and then it becomes, oh yeah, you're right. It was just. I was just psyching myself. Yeah, out. sometimes you need like fresh eyes on it. You need to step away exactly. for a second. Step away for it. Because when you get it. engulfed in certain projects, you kind of get blind to it. You can't tell if it's coming out right, if you like, if you don't. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but all this, everything that I do, I think, I know it works with each other. Yeah, dude. I mean, it looks like it, dude. Fucking doing, <laughs> doing good, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. You crush it. You got multiple hustles, man. Do you guys make uh, those shirts, those girl shirts, in like a men's lodge? You got the juice 
Someone 